very welcome to another live event from the labs team here at NCBI and we have a really strong panel with us today I have to say we have uh, we've kind of tried to usurp some of the the social media things that's been going on over the last week you might have heard of the return of Cristiano someone to uh, one of the a Manchester club I think there's something about it somewhere in the in the media but we have our own homecoming we have uh, Daniel Dunn is back with us we're welcoming Daniel Dunn back to the live events team and uh, we're pretty sure that's going to break social media where uh, maybe the, the Cristiano Ronaldo story kind of kind of laid the groundwork. Welcome back, Daniel. Thanks very much, Jude. Um, I don't think I can live up to Ronaldo's uh, feet, but uh, I'm sure we'll give it a shot anyways. As, as, long, as, as, lo as long as his jersey sales covers the, uh, his wages. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So good to have you back on the show, uh, Daniel. And Thanks, uh, of course, you heard the voice of Sean Do Sean Dorn there as well. And uh, we have JP Corcoran with us, our regular panelists too. So that's uh, great. Hello, I think, Hello, everybody. I think JP, you've got a bit of stuff going on in the background, so we might I, hear you kind I, of dipping in and out today. That's true, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll be here. Jump in. Yeah, jump in whenever you can. Great. Very good. So for our event today, it's going to be a little bit different to usual. We are going to have a section a little bit later on about a particular piece of technology um, similar to our usual live events. We're going to be talking about what's happening with FlickType. Uh, that's a, a great little keyboard solution uh, from the App Store. It's on the App Store, or at least it was on the App Store. And uh, Joe Lonergan is going to be back with us to talk about that a little bit later. You're very welcome as well, Joe. Good to have you with us on the on the show this week. Thanks, Jude. So we'll be checking back in with Joe a little bit later. But before that, we still have more introductions to make because this week we have the opportunity to talk to Stephen Scott, who hosts RNIB's technology podcast, Tech Talk. You're very welcome to the show, Stephen. Oh, lovely to be here. Hi, everybody. Stephen, I, I know that you're a, a veteran uh, of the podcast world, if you like. Does I don't know if you feel this... <laughs> Well, I was trying to avoid it, but you know, <laughs> if, you, if you want to introduce yourself, that's interesting because I was just going to say, I don't know how you feel about introductions. I, I, I always love the point where you get everybody else talking. You've got the introduction done and you can introduce somebody else and they can do some of the talking. That's like my my high point of the week, I have to say. Yeah, that's true. Although I think uh, most people will know only too well that I'm quite happy to open a microphone and not stop until someone says stop. Uh, so yeah, always kind of works for me. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I, I I love to hear other people talk as well, despite what I've just said. Um, I feel yeah, I feel a little <laughs> bit like this would work a bit differently if we were meeting in person. You know the way you kind of mm. you have to think about something interesting to say about everybody if you're meeting in person. This is Stephen, and he, you know, wrote mm -hmm. a paper on such and such and. This is Sean Dorn. Did you know that Sean Dorn, by the way, he is among the the top five celebrities from Dundalk. Did you know that, Steve? I, well, I do now. Uh, I tell you what. The next time yeah. I'm in Dundalk, I will be uh, looking this guy up. I'll be, say, I'll I'll be you saying what. your name now. Make you sure. 
It's 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 me and the cores and the, it, 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 it's contentious. <laughs> you and the cores. <laughs> where, where does Ronnie Keating come from? Does he not count anywhere in this? Well, he's you know he's Dublin, unfortunately. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, but you know he'd be straight in at number one if 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 he was from Dundalk. Of surely. course. Well, you but, think so? Above the cores. <laughs> we're a little bit disappointed, to be honest, that that Sean isn't number one on that list. But you know we've got to we've got to roll with it. Locally, he is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, unsung, even by the cores. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> even by the cores. That's something else. That is something else. <laughs> Tell us, Stephen, uh, you, you kind of gave us a little bit of your own intro there. You were saying, <laughs> if, you're, if you've got uh, an open yeah. mic, you're happy to talk. Give us a little bit more. Um, <laughs> you can be as aspirational as you want, because we're not going to get anybody fact checking this. So you can say pretty much whatever you like about yourself here, and it's oh, just going to go out there on the airwaves. Well, don't worry. I've never in my life worried about fact checks. Uh, if I did, <laughs> I wouldn't have a career. Um, but uh, no, I um, yeah, I've, I did. I've, it's so weird when people ask me this because it makes me think that I've it actually makes me remember that I've been in the radio business now for about 20 years. If I'd just gone 20 years, actually. And um, that's scary, considering the fact that when I uh, started off life as a, a child, as often we do, and um, I started off with this, you know, great aspiration to do something, but didn't really know what it would be and uh, got the opportunity one day to sit behind a microphone and uh, at a hospital radio station, actually, and, and just actually across the road from where I now live. And um, I had the chance to sit behind the mic and I was just I fell in love I don't I mean some say it was the sound of my own voice possibly that was true <laughs> I don't know uh, but for me I, I just kind of love I think what I loved was the fact that I could talk and that nobody could shut me up at that point you know I could speak and people would listen whether they liked it or not especially in hospital radio it's quite a captive audience and um, it was one of those things where I kind of fell in love with it and I, I remember going to school and telling people you know I'm going to do radio I'm going to do radio and they just laughed. And, and this is the teachers, not the kids. <laughs> this is the teachers that were saying, no, nah, very, very, very good. And I remember one teacher, one guidance teacher, as they were called. I don't know what they're called these days, but um, at the time, it was a guidance teacher, someone who would give you advice and support as you get into, you know, or, or trying to get into work when you left school. And yeah. I remember this guy sitting across the table from me saying, OK, what I'd do if I were you is I would learn how to type because you know i'm thinking admin work i'm thinking secretarial and i was like yeah but i want to be on the radio and he's like yeah but really um learn how to type and you know learn to be you know do admin stuff so funnily enough out of that you know i try to look at things as positively as i can out of that i did learn to touch type and i have to say that's been very useful yes um, yeah far more interested in the french classes and um <laughs> I just thought, you know, this is this is great. I can now do this. But I, I kind of wanted to defy that attitude of this is what you're going to do. This is who you are. So therefore you do this. And yeah. I thought, no, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to do what you want me to do or what you think I should do. Um, I'm going to do this. And I, I had my heart set on it. Did I think in a, a month of Sundays it would become a, a, year, a, a career that would span 20 years? No, not at all. Even when I was in it, even when I was in a job working at radio, I yeah. thought I'd be lucky to get five years out of this before, you know, the, the, let's be frank about it, commercial radio where I was for many years is not a lucrative business in terms of money. You know, it's fine when you're single, mm. fine when you stay with your parents, 
it's not good when you want your own house, you're getting married, you're thinking about kids. Yeah, you yeah. can't possibly think radio is the answer because it's just not a lucrative business. And then an opportunity came up at the RNIB uh, where they were looking to bring people on for a new radio station that was being created. Uh, it was already on air at the time, actually, when I joined. It was internet radio. And I remember at the time, people who I worked with saying, seriously, you're leaving commercial radio to go and work for the internet? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking Quite you must jump, be yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did. And I thought, well, OK, let's let's try this. And something about it just just said this works for me. It was visual impairment. It was radio. It was two things fused together. I think the interesting mm -hmm. thing was up until that point, and we're talking 2007 here when I actually joined RNIB, um, it was interesting because up till that point, I had never really thought a huge amount about visual impairment. Yeah. It wasn't any, because although I was visually impaired, although I am visually impaired, you just, you don't, because you're not in the environment to talk about it, you just don't. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. feel quite, you know, disassociated. Now, some say that's because I was partially sighted, so therefore I didn't have that, you know, total blind experience thing going where, you know, I could say, well, every day of my life, I do have to think about it a bit because of the nature of my life. I have a bit of vision, so therefore I basically used that to the fullest I could get. Uh, maybe that's all true, but I know when I'm, when I finally arrived at RNIB, I must admit it was, it took me a while, but a couple of years in, I really kind of came to the, the place of, um, I think, accepting the person yeah. I was as a visually impaired person and accepting that as part of me, which kind of led me down this route of, okay, let's let's actually think about what visual impairment means to me, how it impacts me, and that led me to technology. And that's yeah. how this eventually this this show came to life. Very interesting. So the the uh, thing of the kind of technology interest wasn't something that was hand in hand with the, with the uh, desire to go up to radio at any point that was something that came along afterwards oh yeah i mean my 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 desire to do my my career was interesting because it, it spanned a lot of different things and i i will say that's the joy of commercial radio for me was that i was able to do a lot of different things commercial allows you to do that i never really had a desire to go and work at the bbc lots of my friends did um but i i just didn't see it as an opportunity for me because to me, everyone felt that they were in their little boxes doing their little jobs and that was it. Yeah. Whereas I could be in a commercial station and if a, a computer broke down, I could go and fix it. If a microphone wasn't working, I could, you know, figure out where the cables were going to plug it back in and make sure it was working. Uh, you know, I could try sales. I could try anything, really. The opportunities were all there for me, which was amazing. So yeah. I could do lots of different things and I used that experience. I got as much out of that as I could. You know, I wasn't getting paid much, so I may as well get some experience, right? And, you know, money wasn't really a big deal because I was thankfully at that time, early days anyway, working and living at home with my parents. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was cool. I could just yeah. do what I did. I could just live my life and I could just, um, you know, enjoy this experience. But, you know, this technology thing, that came later. That came much later. And I think it came out of the career on air of, and, and specifically on air, of doing a kind of, hey, this is the hits and here's more hits <laughs> kind of radio, which was terrible, but you know, it, was, it paid the bills. Um, I never really enjoyed it. I was never a music guy per se. I like music. I listen to yeah, it, but yeah. I listen to it like everyone else does. You know, it's just like nice music. I'm not that yeah, into yeah. it. So, I mean, most of the time I'd be going, who's this? What's this? <laughs> 
I've never heard of these people. What's well, right? Speaking what's really Rihanna? enthusiastically Who's about Rihanna. Them. Oh, right. Rihanna. All right. Is that a man or a woman? Someone explain this. Um, and don't ask me who Dua Lipa is. I have no idea. That's a man, woman, child, group. I have no idea. Don't ask. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, you've just got to take what you can from the name and just that will exactly work with, for the best. Work from there and probably get it wrong. Um, but that was the thing. So I did that for a long time, and. I got moved into news. The, a new program director took over the radio station. He said, Stephen, yeah, yeah. your voice just really suits uh, news. It doesn't really suit our on-air style, probably because I was complaining so much about the music, he didn't like it. <laughs> so I said, OK, fine. So I went into news and I had about just enough vision at that point, thankfully, to be able to read bulletins on air. And I get really into this. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm you know, world leading journalist because I'm not by any stretch, but I got really into, you know, working on news, developing stories. It yeah, felt yeah. very organic to me to learn that and I was hungry to learn things. And then when the opportunity came up at RNIB, I started off, I, I had been doing lots and lots of early morning shifts on air for years, for a good couple yeah, of years. Yeah. And when I got to RNIB, I said there was an opening for an afternoon program. On, on air and I thought oh this would be great it'd be nice not to get up early in the morning I could you know have a bit of a nice yeah, early yeah. start uh, you know get up a bit later in the day whatever and of course then I sit down with the boss and he says to me right we want to give you the breakfast show I'm like, no <laughs> okay, we want to move it forward two hours as well yeah exactly so we start at five in the morning and I'm thinking oh god here we go so yeah all right fine uh, so I took it on I did nine and a half years on air doing the morning show, which was essentially the newspaper reading program. Yeah. And um, that was really exciting. I mean, we covered all our live events as well as covering the actual daily papers. Yeah. Um, and in that time, that's when I kind of gave myself uh, sort of a pass to say, let's try something new. Let's try an hour long talk show on the theme of technology. And this came about because I had seen the rise of technologies like the iPhone coming along and being more accessible, but mainstream, off the shelf. Yeah, yeah. That was the key, off the shelf. And it made me think there must be other tools, there must be other equipment out there that you don't have to spend a mortgage to pay off. And as much as it's great yeah, yeah. to you know, buy a Braille yeah. embosser that costs 10 grand, what if you don't have 10 grand? Is there an alternative option? Right yeah, yeah. now, OK, maybe there isn't in that case, but you know what? What other technology is out there that could fulfill the same need, if not in the same way? So it got me to thinking and then. I got into this idea of maybe there's more to this and I went to my boss and I said, I'd like to do an hour long show every week on technology um, and I want to call it Tech Talk. And he said, who's going to listen to that? And I said, well, look, we can make it interesting. He wasn't buying it. He was just thinking it's dry, it's a dull topic. No one's going to be interested. There wasn't a lot going on like this anywhere else really to yeah, yeah. talk about. So, you know, there weren't a lot of technology shows that you could compare it to. Mm -hmm. um, but he said, OK, tell you what, Tuesday, Tuesday night, seven o'clock, that space is clear. You can have that hour. Don't muck it up. He didn't say muck, but you can, but it rhymes. And um, he said, uh, so get on with it, basically. So I did. And, yeah, and I yeah. was given the opportunity yeah. and it has now become, and it's almost in its 10th year, um, 
it's almost become it has become one of the most listened to shows on the radio station which wow. is incredible yeah. when you think about yeah. it and it's it, in fact it is the most listened to i think but you know <laughs> i don't I'd like to be a bit modest about it <laughs> <laughs> well done with that that was excellently done and, and listen it, i have it, to it, say it, at this point i have to say at this point um it's not about me and you know lots have been written over over the years about me and this show and, and various things i have to tell you it's not about me it's it's about the people who listen first off because they make it yeah. the number one right because if they don't listen we're not there but secondly it's about the technology it's about the topic i mm. genuinely believed as i did then i still do today there's a real lack of information for us out there as blind people to get information about this kind of technology now i know there's lots more podcasts there's lots more shows lots more people talking about it, shows like this other shows yeah doing more and more of this now and that's brilliant we need more we just continually need more because if you think how many podcasts are out there on any other topic you can think of probably a, there's yeah. probably a podcast on flower sniffing now does it need to be one on flower sniffing probably not but there's a bet there is one everyone's going to google that now but i was just going to say yeah get the researchers on <laughs> i told you no fact checking here next no guest for next week <laughs> it's the flower sniffer show um but you know that's the thing right there's so much on everything else and why wouldn't you want to talk about this yeah, and yeah. why shouldn't we have as many perspectives because of course in our community there are so many different perspectives there are blinded positions uh, or opinions there are uh, visually impaired people's opinions and they're very different you know because yeah, if you come yeah. from a totally blind background always being blind your experience is very different to mine i was born visually impaired but i still had some sight which meant i was you know fairly yeah. okay up until about 20 odds um so you know it, it just it's been a really interesting ride. The show's success is, as I say, is not just down to me. It's also down to the great people who've been on over the years. We've had brilliant guests and, and contributors over the years who've done an amazing job in, in sharing the news about the show. Um, great guests. It's been it's been a real it's been a huge amount of fun. So so when was that 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 started? You said it's nearly 10 years old. Is that that's uh, like 2011, 2012? Mm -hmm. It started actually. Wow. It started off 10 years ago in February. 10 years ago in February um, of next year. Uh, that was when the uh, the show was born. Um, I think, I can't remember the exact date. I think it, actually, do you know what? I can tell you the exact date. It was February the 14th, Valentine's Day. Um, because I remember we started off with this whole story about, you know, technology we, we are in love with. That was our first yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember the first gang on the show, we all got together and, it's funny because the very first show is very different to the show it is today. For very I was going to say, reasons. yeah, has it changed much format-wise? And yeah, it changed in two ways. It changed in two ways. It changed from initially it was very much an interview interview-led program. So we started out where we'd have maybe six or seven interviews. We'd maybe have a group panel discussion, maybe very short, but it wasn't very opinionated at that time. It was more just here's yeah, the facts yeah. and that's it. Um, and we noticed we weren't getting, and I say we, I mean I, because I was the only one who was ever really involved. Everyone else just thought the show was a, you know, whatever, right? Because it's technology and most people don't care, at least, you know, around me anyway. So it was a case of those who were listening weren't really telling me anything either because they weren't getting involved. Yeah, so yeah. I had the, the, the desire to try and change it up a little bit. And we did. We brought in some new guests. We thought we'd try 
more of a, a discussion led debate because I had I always used to think I'm sitting here with things I want to say. I can't say them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because when you're doing an interview, as you'll know yourself, you want to be as impartial as possible, right? And I'm mm. thinking, I don't want to be impartial. I want to be in there fighting with everybody else. So I, I have to just, you know, try this and see how we go. And, um, you know, it either makes you extremely popular or not. I have thankfully no interest in being popular. So that works in my favor. <laughs> uh, so I say what I think. And the bottom line was, um, the show just exploded in popularity. Yeah, suddenly yeah. got so many more listeners uh, downloading the podcast. We got more emails coming through and that was a real marker for us of engagement and you know, people who still email today after all those years um, from all over the world. I mean, you'll know this yourself. You get emails in and you think yeah, yeah. someone's listening in Israel. Don't right expect. Now? Yeah, yeah. You know, they, <laughs> nothing else to be doing. I mean, you're listening in Israel. Some, I remember this girl was uh, writing to me. Uh, she was talking about how she would listen to the show every Sunday on our podcast. She would listen on a Sunday as she went for a morning run and she, and she lived in Israel. And in my head, I've just got this image of this girl running through Israel, um, you know, listening to the show. It just seems so bizarre, doesn't it, that people yeah. can do yeah, that? Yeah. But that's technology, yeah. right? That's what technology it's can It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's actually one of the things that our chief te chief technology officer often says, just that it's the biggest enabler um, for somebody with a vision impairment. And it's it is incredible just how much interaction people have with it, and how much even if somebody has absolutely no interest in technology, and and it suddenly becomes relevant in this way, it, it is a, it's a very interesting subject to talk about. Suddenly, the thing that's changed for me, I think, in the past five years, maybe is that my view has changed a little bit. You know, where before it was always banging the drum for accessibility and, and we absolutely need to and must continue doing that at every possible opportunity. And we must raise concerns about accessibility. We must talk about the, the challenges because I still to this day find so many issues on the web. Um, with the web especially, actually, I find, you know, as a JAWS user, the internet is, is and it's not about JAWS. Or I, I just say that because that's the technology I use, but yeah. I, I still find myself being snookered, for, better, for a better word, one of a better word, um, with websites. I'm like, hang on, where am I? How, yeah, how am yeah. I here? And, you know, I can't even imagine going shopping online. I don't know who does it on a website. I'm on an app. If it's not on an app, I'm not interested because I am not going to have to sit there and deal with this website. Um, yeah. Certain one, you know, certain websites are better than others, but more often than not, it's the constant jumping around that you have to do. Um, yeah. It takes so much effort to be a blind person, doesn't it? And we we actually have um, like Sean and JP do quite a bit of work with with that side of things as well. We've talked about that before, but it is it is incredible um, just to to think about the the fact that that is such a a key part of the interaction with the outside world, and yet there's still that problem there so often, so regularly. Yeah, yeah we, we would do a lot on that end in terms of like, we would audit sites and do accessibility reports for people. And um, the, the, thing, the thing developers can't understand most is that kind of the focus when you're moving through with a screen reader, like moving through all the areas independently, not having any sort of traps where you're stuck in. And it's that kind of it's that kind of concept that you, know, you you try to explain to developers and you do eventually get it across to them especially even on our own website um they did, they did a fantastic job in the end but it was just getting that principle of like you know when someone wants to move throughout this website you can't 
go from this piece of information to that piece of information without having access to this piece of information. So it, 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 just to, to reiterate your point, it's, it is so important that you know you, you can use a website independently. It is, and, and I think that um, one area that never really gets discussed anymore, and this is kind of what leads me to my eventual conclusion, is that I think we don't, it's not that we don't talk enough, I think we, we, we don't talk enough about this, but the challenge I found is being visually impaired means, and, and what I mean by that is being partially sighted, Yeah, is that when you have some vision, no matter how bad it is, you'll try and use it. And I have found that a real, that's actually been the biggest part of my disability for a number of years. Not the site, it's, although it is the site's fault, I guess, because, you know, it's the, it's the cause, but it's actually me using the vision. So I'm sitting here right now and I've got my computer screen in front of me. I yeah. cannot see a damn thing that's on there, right? But mm. what I can tell is that I'm in Outlook because I can understand the shape of the window I can understand the the lines I'm in now. In fairness, I could be in an Excel document, but in this case, I know I'm not, <laughs> right? But you know, it's it's got a yeah, kind of yeah. similar look to it. So yeah. Everything that is like a big block of, I always think it's like trying to explain it to somebody who can see. It's like looking at a redacted piece of paper where you've got a piece of paper with lines on it of text that has been blacked out. Every single line has been blacked out. Yeah, yeah. That's how I see most things because I can't see any detail, but I can yeah. see the shape. So when I'm sitting here and something goes wrong with the computer, I'm not listening anymore. I'm trying to look. Yes, yeah, yeah. And this is a real problem. So the solution is turn the damn monitor off. And that's what I found is the solution to it. And that's the best way to actually become a good screen reader user, in my view, turn off the screen, uh, which of course yeah. for many blind people is not a problem, right? But for, for me, it, it has been. But I think there is a challenge there. And I think that's an area um, where you start to see the, the cracks yeah, in where the the accessibility divide can exist even within our own community, and I think that's something that we we need to open up and discuss a bit more because I think there's a lot of people who are frightened to talk about it. You know, on my show, I still think we're a bit of a novice show, and what I mean by that is we're a show for people who are curious about tech but they don't know everything. They're not experts. They're not what well, you know. I've had 50 years of experience in this. It's, that's not us. That's yeah, not yeah. who we are, because I think that it's the people who don't go online every day and you know write code or you know, um, yeah, you know yeah. develop an app or you know have have come up with an amazing thing. It's just doing your email, trying yeah. to get online. You know maybe having a, a a dare of going onto Edge and trying it out and then getting lost in the preferences. Yeah. It is that those are the people I want to talk to because those people I think are the least served. And I think yeah. there's a bit of a hierarchy thing goes on sometimes in the blind community where. You sometimes hear people say, well, you should know how to do that. You know, you've been using a screen reader now for five years. It's like, but I don't, and I can't know everything. I don't yeah. think any of us can know everything. I mean, JAWS especially. How many shortcuts are there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on. Absolutely, So yeah. it's a real challenge that we have to deal with, and I think we have to accept that. So that's what our show tries to do. It tries to be there. But my eventual conclusion out of all of this was, that technology, you said earlier that it was about, you know, how how, how enabling technology is for blind people, but how enabling mm. it is for everybody. Truth. Yes, yeah. And how we've now got to start maybe turning the tables back and we're starting to see this conversation emerge, which I think is good because this will help us in the long run, where we're starting to see talk about 
about accessibility features being beneficial to everybody, not just yes, blind people, yeah. not just disabled people, but actually everybody. So an example of this, a personal experience was I was on a train. Oh, I remember those days um, when I was on a train and I can say, I, I'm going to have to stop saying that joke. So it's not going to apply anymore, um, but <laughs> remember uh, those days is going to be tomorrow. I think exactly. For, for remember us, I remember yesterday. Was be like... Yeah, exactly. Remember <laughs> yesterday I was on that train. Um, so yeah, I was on this train and wherever I was going and there was a woman sitting across from me and she was in real trouble with her phone and she was saying to, I assume her daughter, friend, sister, I don't I have no idea. She was saying, um, I just can't see this phone. I can't read this. Yeah. So I leaned across and I said, I hope you don't mind me uh, interrupting, but I've just heard what you said. And I'm wondering, have you heard about the accessibility features? And she said, oh, I've seen that, but I don't go in there. That's not for me. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, look, first off, you don't need a radar key to get in. It's, you know, it's open. You can go in yeah. and it is for you. It's for anybody. I said, and in there, you'll see a feature called large print or large type. It was an Android phone. And she said, um, oh yeah, I see that. I said, now if you just move the little slider, oh, yeah, oh, that's much better. I said, there you go. She said, oh, that's brilliant. Why, how did I not do this before? She said, I can see this now. And you could tell that was gonna make a big difference to her life. Now she's yes, not yeah. disabled. She's not visually impaired. She's not gonna identify in any way as a disabled person, but that feature has helped her. Now, what is she going to do next? She's gonna tell everybody about that feature. And that's going to mean that those people who listen to her will start thinking about this a bit differently rather than it being for that person over there is for you. And I think yeah. that's the message I'm keen to promote going forward, because I think that helps all of us in the way that. And I think Amazon did a great job of this um, or Audible, I should say, did a great job of this with audiobooks was stop talking about audiobooks as something for blind people. Talk about it as something for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could listen in your car, you can listen on the morning run. And suddenly audiobooks sprang up in, in, in popularity and it meant more of them were available to us at a decent price. Now, yeah. of course, we have the RNIB in the UK, so you know we've got free access to books and that's all great. But the fact is that that allowed a conversation to happen. That, you know, instead of it being a, for that group over there, it's for everybody. Yes, now, of yeah. course, there are nuances to this, and I admit that it's not a perfect solution because Braille's not for everybody, right? That's a fact yeah. of life. Um, we do, the, even the fact checker can sit back and relax on that one <laughs> because it's not for everybody, right? It's for people who want to use Braille, who need yeah, Braille. And yeah, yeah. I strongly promote Braille, and I think Braille's very important, especially for young kids growing up today who are blind or partially, yeah. even for partially sighted kids actually. I was taught Braille at school only because I begged the teacher to, to teach me it. And she only got as far as grade one with me because she, she left the school. But it was never continued. And it was only ever seen for me as a hobby, not as a necessity, unlike yeah. my friends who were blind yeah, at yeah. school. And I found that quite interesting. And I think yeah. that's a mistake because as I've got older, I actually think now I could really have done with that. As much as touch typing was useful, yes, Braille yeah. would have been incredible. It's interesting just hearing you talk about it. I mean, there, there's kind of a lot of different subjects we, we could talk about. Um, there's just even the idea of the, the terminology that's kind of around some of those discussions now. There's this kind of 
this move towards in, instead of call, calling things accessible, it's it's more inclusive. And and there's there's a lot of sense in something like that because it makes people approach it from that perspective of let's include everyone instead of just making something for one group of people and then kind of adapting it for somebody else. It's it's a more inclusive approach. It's quite an interesting discussion to have overall, but I, I kind of noticed from listening to some of your your uh, tech talk podcasts, the variety is actually there's there's a lot of variety in, in what you do talk about. There's there's room for these kind of discussions. That's very much kind of, you know, talking about the, the concept of it and where something should go on and how things are developing. But then you've got an awful lot of kind of specifics as well. I was looking at, at a couple of your episodes and just interested to see the variety that you cover on your shows. Episode 321, Harry Potter, both frames and talking ovens. Episode 323, Headspace, Be My Eyes and Fraggle Rock. Now I have to say, <laughs> that made me suddenly think, we are doing this all wrong if they can talk about Fraggle Rock. No, what you need <laughs> is a good headline writer. That's what you need. You need somebody who can do good <laughs> intros for that podcast. It's not me, I should say. Um, but no, it's it's so good. Um, but it, it, it's interesting. And a lot of that stems from the listeners. They, yeah. they, they, we get so many different emails in. Some of, uh, and oftentimes, I, I, <laughs> I, I say it on air sometimes, I'll say, please do not bring up this topic because that will be the thread for the next 20 <laughs> weeks of emails because we'll just get people emailing, emailing, emailing because one, someone, some, not everyone's listening all the time, right? So someone will pick up on it and go, ah! I mean, the, the one that got me was the Opticon. Somebody <laughs> mentioned in an email about the Opticon, which I had never heard of because it was it predated me. And suddenly all these people, and then we ended up with like somebody wanted to sell one and then somebody wanted to buy it off them. And it was like, some, and we couldn't get them to connect for some reason. And we did, and then they fell out. And it was just like, oh, it was like a soap opera. It was like Opticon Street. Um, that could spawn about three or four other shows, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the missing op, whatever happened to the Opticon, a documentary series. Yeah, I mean, it was just ridiculous. But, you know, I love that fact. And I love that people feel. And I'll tell you the best experience I had. My wife and I were out. And my wife, I love my wife to bits. And, you know, the one thing I love most is that she does not give a jot about what I do for a living. She just doesn't care. And I love that because, of course, she cares. That's the wrong words. But she just, she doesn't listen. She doesn't really get involved that much. She's, she is visually impaired. Um, but she, she kind of just doesn't get involved in that side of it. Tech's not. Yeah. I mean, she uses tech. But, you know. It's just another thing for her, right? And I love that because she doesn't engage. And I, I've trust me, I've dated listeners before. Not a good idea. Um, for any for for any of you guys who are thinking about it, you know, you've had a nice email from someone, you think, oh, this is sounds, this sounds fun. Don't do it, and never eat cake. Um, never eat. <laughs> th that's that's a that's brilliantly just inserted in that. Never eat cake. Never eat. I cake. feel like you moved over that too quickly. But well, I could tell you a story. But yeah. Let's, let's yeah. <laughs> We'll maybe save that for another time. I'll, I'll save that maybe. If I, if I give you too yeah. much, then you'll never let That'll me. That'll be back. our Opticon. Exactly. That'll be that's the thing right. that we get emails in about for the next. What thing did someone you know, give you that months. you never touched? Yeah, there's a there's a question <laughs> right there. Wow, that's going to that's going to spawn a few emails. Um, but you know that was it. So so because of that, she um she didn't get too involved in it, which was great, and it just meant that she could um she could stay apart from it. Uh, and it, it grounded me, you know, for what I did, yeah, yeah. because, you know, and the thing of, and, and that was the thing you know, I could just talk about things that I felt were important. I love I mean, that's what I love about the show. We can just talk about whatever we want mm -hmm. to talk about. Um, we, we 
get criticised for everything. I get criticised for talking too much about one thing, not talking too much about the same thing. You know, I can't win no matter what I do, but I only have the hour a week with the guys. So, you know, we yeah, can only yeah. do so much. But um, but yeah, I love it and I love the, the passion. That's what I was going to tell you. My wife and I were out and we'd gone to, I think it was a Site Village exhibition and um, she said, uh, someone came up to me and they said, I know your voice, you're Stephen Scott. And I said, yeah, yeah. And she said, well, I'll tell you, I completely disagree with you about Android phones. You know, Android phones are great. You slam them every week, but you know what? <laughs> they are great and I love my Android phone. This is, and she pulls out her phone and she proceeds to show me this phone and tell me it's the best phone ever. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she says, anyway, that's that. And uh, love your show, but goodbye. And off she goes. <laughs> and my wife said, that was so abrupt. And I said, can I tell you something? That is the best response you could ever <laughs> ask for in the career I have. Because what that yeah. person thought was, I never got her name because she just went away. Engagement, yeah. She yeah, just yeah. walked up. She thought she knew yeah. me. She felt she could just walk up and say that yeah. because she felt so close on the podcast. And that's the thing. You, know, you kind of, in that moment, realise the power in what you say, yeah, the power of the importance yeah. of what you say. Um, when you talk about products, you realise people are, you know, heading off to Amazon and having a look and saying, hmm, okay. Um, and you have to be careful, you know. I think I've yeah, cost yeah. some people a lot of money over the years, and I, I apologise for that. But, you know, at the same time, the tech is great, so why wouldn't you? Um, it's the it's the balance as well, isn't it? It's like the that, that thing of trying to let people know what's out there, recognising that it's not necessarily going to be the the right thing for everybody but it works in such yeah. and such a circumstance and being able to say that freely without somebody necessarily you know spending a fortune on something just because it works for you as well i guess <laughs> well that's that's a big discussion on our show and it comes up a lot and i try and i try and temper it because you could honestly have this discussion for the rest of your life yeah and that I, is... I, I heard this on a, on one of your shows recently you married into money didn't you oh <laughs> I, I did yes i did i married into money uh, yeah, I, I think my wife would disagree with that. I think she's, she's I think she thinks she's married into money, but I, I keep telling her there isn't any. Um, but no, it, it's funny that the conversation that comes up time and time again yeah. is is actually the whole genesis of the show, which is specialist yes, versus yeah. mainstream technology. And I sometimes think we've there actually I've come to the conclusion that there just is no answer to this because. You, you really, in the sense of a specialist technology, if I need a Braille display or a Perkins Brailler, I can't go to, sorry, I don't yeah. know if I'm allowed to say yeah. names here or not, PC World, right? There I yeah. said it. Um, <clears throat> you can't go to PC World and buy a Braille display. Um, that's just the way it is. You've got to go to a specialist supplier. You're going to spend more money on it. Yeah, that's yeah. the way it is. Yeah. So therefore, you can't really put that up against an iPhone or a tablet, can you? You just can't. Uh, it doesn't make sense to do that. The reason I do bring it up, though, is because I sometimes think there are other ways. So, for example, um, we were we are having a conversation about learning Braille on the show, and I'd been mm. going through my own experience of learning Braille, and I was someone had got in touch and asked about you know where they could get a Perkins Brailler, and I said, well, I think if you you know first off check with your social work side, uh, you know local social work, maybe charities might have one or two lying around before you go out and buy one, right? Yeah, yeah. I said, but also there's an app um, on the PC. Uh, I think it's, in the, it's only on the PC called Perky Duck. I'm not making this up. And it's, a, it's an app where you can load it up and you can essentially use it like a, a notepad. It's like a notepad yeah, program yeah. for yeah. Braille. And you just use the DSF and JKL keys 
yeah. as your real keys, right? Yeah, yeah. And the amount of emails I got from people saying, yeah, you're doing this down and people should be using Braille properly and not using apps and blah, blah. And I'm like, guys, do you really want somebody to spend an absolute fortune on a piece of kit they yeah. may not want to use? Or instead, let them learn how to use this thing first. If they think the language is right for them, yeah. they'll continue yeah. to learn it. And if they do, then at which point you'll you'll actually make the investment. But at least then it's based on something rather than just, oh, wouldn't it be nice too? Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah. I think that's where I get into it. It's not so much the technology is absolutely necessary for those who need it. But we have to, as a as a, an individual, on an individual basis, figure out whether or not that specialist technology is right for you. That's yeah. where I see the, the conversation start and probably end because I've I've had this conversation for 10 years and I'm getting tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, come on. <laughs> We know, yeah. right? Technology yeah, is yeah. expensive, and and we all have our gripes about that. Uh, some of this stuff is very expensive, but then there are understandable reasons why in some cases. Yeah. Uh, but then I'm sure others would disagree with that, and that's fine. And it is amazing to just see sometimes the the sorts of things that can really make a difference to people's lives that are actually might be just a small thing instead of some amazingly big expensive thing, just something that's small, but. That might be just for that person's life that that happens to make a difference but if you need something that's only done in the the, the equipment that costs a, a bit more well then that doesn't it doesn't change the fact that you still need that it's uh yeah it's an interesting conversation do you know we we normally just have a little bit of a section as well we talk about some of the the technologies that are out there and we never really um covered one piece it might be interested just getting your thoughts on this in a minute uh Stephen as well but if we can bring joe into the conversation at the moment because um the, the uh, flick type keyboard has been kind of in the news a little bit recently um now for anybody who doesn't know what flick type actually is or didn't get a chance to use it joe could you just maybe give us a bit of an idea of of what flick type is or yeah. was well flick type was um Hi everybody, first of all. Uh, hi Stephen, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, well FlickType was a keyboard that was introduced years ago for on the iPhone for um, visually impaired and blind people to help them type a lot quicker than the regular keyboard. So as you, as you might know, using the regular keyboard can be slow and uh, it, it can, some people take a, people a while to use it and trying to delete words can be difficult and edit text messages can be difficult so that's why a lot of us use dictation and stuff but the flick type keyboard had um if you knew the qwerty keyboard off by heart you could just type where you thought the letters or think the letters might have been like for example you could type the words bananas like you know press b down where you think it might be an a where you think it is until you get to the end and magically bananas appears on the screen you know mm. so um, I don't, it's not working on my phone anymore, so I can't demonstrate it, but um, it was like magic when it came out first. Uh, the only drawback was you had to go into the Flexi app, when it, when it used to be known as Flexi, you had to go into the Flexi app and um, copy the text into a text message. But eventually, when they changed the flick type, they were able to integrate it into the normal um, keyboard, and um, it worked a little yeah. bit better at, at that stage. And um, it went through a few different phases at the start. I think it was free at the start, and then it was they tried um, to sell it for something like uh, I don't remember the prices, but we'll say for example it's something like three ninety nine. And then they tried a, a subscription uh, fee 
so that people could subscribe to it every year for a very low fee, but then they got rid of it again and it went free again. And then it became popular on the Apple Watch. And the reason it became popular on the Apple Watch for the same reasons again, it's such a small screen that uh, you they had this innovative app for typing on the small screen and Flexi done a great job on the Apple Watch. Uh, so it became popular for sighted and blind people. Um, but recently, as you might have seen on Twitter and in other news sources, that uh, the man who invented uh, flick type and flexi keyboard, he um, has become come across some barriers on the App Store, and he said he had to jump too, through too many hurdles, and he called it he called it on the App Store he called it abuse from Apple, uh, and he says uh, he can no longer um, provide the app for us blind and visually impaired people who like using it and he had to uh, had to be taken off the app store. So that's where we're at at the moment with with uh, flick type keyboard. Uh, hopefully I don't, uh, I've given you a good description of it there, but, yeah. but generally it, it, I used to find it a good app. Sometimes I used it, a lot of time I used dictation, but sometimes I, I did use the app. I thought it was quite yeah, good. Yeah. Were you a user of that, Stephen? I didn't use it very much. It's funny because uh, Sean Priest, who does the uh, double tap show I do uh, oh. for uh, the AMI audio in Canada, quick plug, um, <laughs> cheeky plug in there. Um, Great show, by the way. Stephen. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't hear that very often, trust me. That, there um, you are, a quick plug and endorsement. Of well, there you go. Who can argue with that? Uh, but I, funny enough, Sean always told me to use it. He would say, use this app, use this app. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because whenever Sean says do something, I think there must be something wrong with it. So I tend to avoid it. Uh, but actually, this app, I did try a couple of times. I did like, and I think my favorite bit of it was the Apple Watch part. Um, I just kind of going back to my point about technology for everyone. This would have been, I think, different people have different views on this, and we did argue about this last yeah, week. Yeah. But I actually think that this would have been a great uh, company to be bought by Apple. Now, I know yeah. that maybe the developer wouldn't have been too keen on that. I don't know. Mind you, if you give me 1.2 million quid for something, I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll look the other way for five minutes. Um, but, you know, I, I think this might have actually been not a bad purchased by Apple because yeah. again this could have been a really useful uh, thing I mean I know that Apple brought in the what do they call it again is it the swipe keyboard that they brought in last year it's the one yeah, where you kind of roll it's not called swipe I don't think um, no it's I can't remember the name of it but it's it's because you've got different methods of typing um, and you've got this new keyboard where you can drag your finger across the screen and do it that way um, yeah. which is similar but not nowhere near as good as this it was the accuracy with flick type that was so good um, yeah, yeah. It's a, it'd be a shame to see it go. I hope this gets resolved. But I my only concern, well, my only concern with this, if I'm honest, is that it's it's a accessibility story, which means at the moment it kind of falls below everything else, right? It yeah. doesn't really get the prominence. It did get a couple. I think the Verge featured it in an article, which is cool, um, but it didn't really go much further than that. Um, unlike other access or not other technology stories, essentially. I, I really yeah. think Apple could have made a lot more out of it. I showed it to some fully sighted people. They thought the way um, flick type um, typed words and the uh, speed of it was amazing, you know? So I think it could have been a real success story if, as you said, they offered some really good offer to that man that invented yeah. the app. I think it would have, it, worked, out, it would have worked out really good for both parties. Was it the case, Joe, that it only worked as well with certain parts of Apple's operating system so it didn't work i think with messages or mail 
there was challenges there as well. Yeah, there was challenges there. It didn't work in every every single app, and um, I think I think I, there was a way of getting it up integrated as a second keyboard. But um, yeah, there was a few few limitations that way, and uh, I don't I don't know the exact barriers he came across in the app store. He didn't oh, dwell into. Oh, it. We we were suspecting uh, similar things to yourself there, like where possibly they tried to purchase it from him and maybe didn't want to sell or maybe they're going to come out with a similar type of technology and it eventually integrated into voiceover as a, a keyboard option. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my hope. Yeah, it's it's kind of unlikely when there's a concept like this that it'll just kind of die out completely, isn't it? Mm. You would hope. This is not the end it's of it, no? This pure is science. <laughs> This is not the end of the, the app. I think it will go a bit farther. There was um, a row um, many years ago about patent issues with the app. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that didn't get resolved either. And I presume there's some bad blood since that. So uh, yeah, I don't think this is the, the end. The amount of publicity it's got now is going to bring it back into the spotlight and somebody somewhere is going to grab the bull by the horns and solve it. Hopefully so, yeah. Yeah, yeah hopefully so. It's a, it is an interesting thing when you when you get into something like this and like you say, Stephen, the, the idea of it being like it's it's something that's so helpful to a lot of people. But unfortunately, if the accessibility agenda is lower than the other things that catch the news, you've, you've got that kind of whole tidal wave to fight against as well sometimes. Mm. But of course, the, the biggest challenge has been for many years actual input into the iPhone. That's one of the things that yeah. I dislike most. Although, I don't know if any of you can do this, but um, I do love sticking on the screen curtain and whacking away at the keyboard mm. and getting it right. It doesn't happen very <laughs> often, but you know, when it happens, I feel great. <laughs> you know, Is that like another I, game for the, the, the App Store or something? That's what it sounds like. The way you're send a message without an error, yeah. <laughs> do you get like little prizes at the end of it? Because that's what it kind of sounds like. But it's, uh, it's actually, yeah, it's you get incredible... your emojis sticker or something. <laughs> the, speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of the iPhone, um, um, Stephen, we have a question in from uh, Martin. Um, he would like to, to know just your opinion, your humble opinion on what the new iPhone SE 20 is like particularly interested in hearing your point of view. Yes, because I've just bought one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, why would I buy a phone that is a year old when a new one's about to come out? Well, the, the truth is um, I love the iPhone SE because I love the iPhone 7 and I love the iPhone 8. This was going to be no different, right? Um, the one thing I'll say about it is, well, I'll say one positive and one negative. The positive is the Touch ID button. I love Touch ID and, you know, it's not that I don't like Face ID. It's just that I tend to, if I'm traveling and I will be back on the road again soon, um, all going well. And when I am, I much prefer having my phone in my pocket. I tend to carry around. I've got this little um, Apple Magic keyboard. I've got this fantastic little Finty case for it, which is neatly it fits in place and you can just, it, it kind of gives it a, a cover. So you can actually just stick it in your bag and away you go. And I've got my little keyboard case. I pull it out in the train. I can type away on it uh, and I can keep my phone in my pocket. But Face ID, you've constantly got to have that thing available to you. And the, you've either got to put the phone in front of you on this little stand, which the case thankfully does have. But it's just another thing. And, and I just, I kind of want my phone out of the way. So that's the positive, the touch ID for sure. Everything else on the phone, I mean, the SE 2020 is a fast phone. It's swift enough. I mean, 
you, you're at the point where you're not noticing any lag at all. And to be fair, my iPhone 7 is exactly the same. I think probably my iPhone 7 is the most, um, I mean, the iPhone 7 I have is, is a work phone for RNIB, and it is a, it's, a, it's a great phone. I love that phone. Mm. Um, and that's what made me get the SE in there because I had the 12 mini thinking this would be the solution to everything, you know, face ID, portability, the size, because I don't care about the screen. Um, but I just, I couldn't get to grips with it. And, and the problem is because it's made of glass, and yes, I know you can stick a case on it, but it just adds to the bulk. I kind of like the fact this phone is so thin. Uh, the SE, it's not too bad. You know, it's not, it's not huge by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a good size, it's comfortable. You also have the, uh, the, the benefit of uh, not when you grab the phone, touching the screen, by accident, because you do do that a lot with the iPhone, especially the 12 mini, because the phone is or the screen is up to the edge of the phone so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as soon as you touch the phone, you're touching the screen, um, because you don't have that problem here. The negative is the battery. Now, I don't know if it's this one. I'm going to get it checked out. The battery is not brilliant, and it's strange because my iPhone 7 lasts way longer. Um, so I, I don't know what that is. Do you, do you, find, do you find that as well? I agree. I think the battery on the SE goes down very quickly. I thought it was maybe something wrong with the battery, but I, I find it goes down quicker than my iPhone 8. Yeah, don't don't ask me why. Especially when I leave it um, when I'm not using it, it seems to go down. The, the the idea behind that um, was the the processor inside it. So you still have a smaller battery, but you still have a smarter processor. So you're trading off battery. Mm. Interesting. Right, okay, so the, the iPhone, so actually what you're saying is I should have bought an iPhone 8. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, then, back to the shop. But then, but then, you're, then, then, then you're trading a processor for battery just in reverse, so uh, it, 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 it's an it's an ever-tilting scale of what, 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 what side of performance you want. But that's the, it's the interesting thing about performance, right? What do we really need? I mean, when it comes to performance, a lot of us will say, well, voiceover has to be snappy, right? We want it to be sharp, we want it to be on point. I get all that. I've got an iPhone 12 Pro Max that I use purely for testing, so I wouldn't take it out, it's too big. Um, but I use it for my, that's, that's my test device. And that iPhone 12 Pro is is a great phone, but it's no more snappy than my iPhone 7. Yeah. And that's a 7, right? So, I mean, when it comes to it, what am I needing this thing to do? I'm not doing computational work that I know of. Maybe the phone is, but I'm not doing any. I'm, I'm sending a text. You know, as long as the text gets there, then I'm quite yeah, happy. Yeah. That's not even down to the phone, that's down to the network. So, <laughs> you know. And you finish uh, testing the iPhone 12, what's your plans for it? Are you interested, are you? <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I do? I, I have this um, thing that I do, and, and the Apple Store must love me for it, because I just take it back to the Apple Store and say, right, there's take that off me and give me whatever the new thing is. And then um, we just kind of go with that. It's just an endless recycling that's going on at the moment. <laughs> they, they must love me. That little robot at the back that does all the disemboweling or whatever goes on. Um, it's uh, it's having a great time. I tell you, I, lo I love the subjects that we're just not able to talk about today. The, the little things that you've thrown into conversations here. The, the robot at the back that does all the disemboweling is definitely a whole show in itself. <laughs> I, I want to meet this robot because I'm not convinced that, that it actually exists in the store when I go in. Because they, they talk about it as if it's just sitting in the back, you know, ripping the guts out of your iPhone when you take it in. I just don't believe that's true. I think, I think that's a lie. I think there's something not adding up there. 
I tell you, it's it's uh, it's been brilliant talking to you, Stephen, through the show, and it's uh, it's really good to just get you. You've definitely got that uh, that new approach, the uh, the the opinion approach down down pat. It's absolutely perfect. It's great. Yes, me um, to all cases of trouble. Let me tell you. <laughs> that, but the great thing is, we've got a disclaimer here all the time. We we can just say that that was that was Stephen Scott from our NIB Tech Talk who, who said that. You know, that's that's great. It's brilliant for us. <laughs> can I just say thank you so much for the opportunity to come on? I mean that, and um, it, it's great. I love coming on and getting a chance to talk. I mean, I, I as you could probably tell, I could sit here for another ten hours. I'm always happy to talk. So. Um, yeah, it's, well, it's you know what? Great. Just before you go, there's one thing that we'd love to ask you. Just and it's it probably is a way too big a question for the few minutes that we've got left. But just to kind of round up, what would you say through that whole time that you've been doing the the uh, tech talk? Um, what would you say would have been the biggest, most impressive piece of technology or the biggest game changer in technology through that time? Do you reckon? Wow. Um. I think the short answer is iPhone, and everybody knows. I just hear the groan yeah. immediately. Oh, of course, yeah, it's yeah. always the iPhone, but it was, and it wasn't. It wasn't the phone itself. That's the thing. The phone itself, initially, if you remember way back then, it wasn't that brilliant. It was just a phone. You could do text messages, maybe the odd thing. It's when the App Store came along, that's when it all changed, and it gave the phone so much ability. I can do so much on this device. I can't imagine a world now without an iPhone because I can't imagine being able to say, right, I'm sitting in front of my PC, I've got JAWS loaded up, which I could have had those years ago. Uh, I need to go onto Amazon to look at, you know, do a bit of shopping or whatever. And having to do yeah. all that on there, whereas now I can just say, do you know what, this is so much easier over here because the, the nature of this is so much easier. And the irony about all this is, as much as I say the iPhone, on day one when the iPhone was announced, Myself and I know many other blind people went, oh, no, not touch screen. Yeah, yeah. We all yeah. just thought that, I mean, and actually you have to sometimes put that perspective in place, right? You have to say, well, remember that day when we all sat and thought, this is it. We yeah. are out. I, I thought that was it for me. I thought, I don't know how I'm going to use a touch screen in the future. I genuinely worried about it yeah, because yeah. I thought I can't use this. That This is going to be impossible. And then thankfully, accessibility was brought in, not in the first iteration. But it did come in, and then the same's happened with Google and Android. Now, you know, mm. I make jokes about Android all the time. I say, Android is that still a thing? You know that kind of thing. But no, honestly, I I love Android. It's great. We'll it's have to have you back for our. We have a we had an Android versus iOS debate last year. Oh God, every, it was, every, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it didn't quite get heated, but it was just always on the edge of you know that thing of. Yeah, this could this could really descend into a brawl here if we're not careful. You know, the only and thing that's why we Android, want to have a sequel, to be honest. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll leave on this point and say the only thing I find about Android is this, that using an Android phone to me is like try your finger is on a, an ice skating rink on the screen. Um, it's just and and you know someone who's not very good at being on being on an ice rink. Um, in that case, because you're literally all over the place. This thing is just talking at you. Things are things aren't working. Things are working. I've never understood how the Android thing fully works. But bear in mind, and, and obviously it works the same in a lot of ways, so the same way to Apple, especially these days. But it's just got a different approach to it. And I think I just haven't quite got to grips with it. But the truth is, I'm an Apple guy. I was an Apple guy years ago. I'll always be an Apple guy until they really irritate me. Um, and 
that's it, you know. So I can't, I can't sit here and say I'm going to switch to Android and that everything's going to be great because that's not me. But then other yeah. people will say that because, and they're right to because that's what they've come from. Right, uh, yeah. They would never go to Apple for the same reasons maybe that I wouldn't go to Android. So you know, I, I think it is an interesting debate. But you know, truthfully, I think both are on a par now. Mm. I agree. It's when you say um, do you have yeah. phone was a, was a game changer. How about um, smart speakers? Where do they come in, in your line of game changers and Apple HomePod Mini and things like that? Ah, well, the HomePod Mini, it's a nice speaker, but it's not a smart speaker. I mean, there's nothing smart about it. I mean, you know, she can tell you the name of the song. Um, it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's the greatest. I think the Echo is with by far the best smart speaker out there. Just be, again, it's, it's a bit like the, the iPhone in the sense that, you know, I think the Google Home is a great device, but it, what it misses is some kind of store where you can get skills from like you can with the Echo. It's all about the store or the app store or the skills store that comes with it. And unfortunately for the Google Home and especially the HomePod Mini, which has never really been sold as a, you know, an a, a Echo equivalent, because it's really just about the music, I guess. Um, and hopefully they'll, they'll improve that one day. But I think the Echo has really kind of made itself the, the number one for me. And and I, I think it's, it's a brilliant piece of care. As a, a game changer, yeah, I think. So. I, I do think it's a game changer without a doubt, but I think it's more about the fact that this was the first time we saw a piece of technology come along which only required your voice. You could speak to the air and you could just get a response. And, you know, it did make things way more interesting in the, commuting, uh, the computing space. And I think that's where computing will go. I've also got some other ideas as to where computing will go in the next yeah, uh, 10, yeah. 15 years, but we'll... Um, well, I'll we'll have to have a sequel. Come back, yeah. Exactly. We'll have to have a sequel, yeah, definitely. We'll have I told to have you, another you, oh, big debate. If you let debate. me hear an open mic, I will talk. So, you know, <laughs> I did warn you. This must be the, the, the benefit of uh, recording a program is, is great because you can edit stuff out, can't you? It's, it's great. You can just Take pull all it my back stuff. down. Into, everything ah. I That's the best bit. <laughs> Well, it's audience. been a pleasure to talk to you, Stephen. It's been really interesting and really appreciate you coming on the show. We'll definitely have you back if you're available at some point. We'll we'll have you back for maybe for one of definitely for one of the big debates, I think. We need to to have one of those again. And uh we we'll, we'll put you on one side and maybe the whole the whole team on the other side. I think that'll probably be the best way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, like, it's like my school days trying to play football all over again. <laughs> We started with a football analogy and we're ending with football. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Great to have you on the show. So th that was uh, Stephen Scott from RNIB's Tech Talk and uh, really enjoyed that discussion. Of course, for anybody, if you want to listen back, you can listen back uh, on YouTube or any of your, uh, your favourite podcast platforms as well. Just a reminder that uh, if you need technology assistance, you can get support from the labs team from nine to five, Monday to Friday on 1850-911-110, or you can uh, email labs at ncbi.ie, or for the wider NCBI services, you can get in touch on 1850-3343-53, or you can email info at ncbi.ie. And of course, we always appreciate your support of NCBI services. If you'd like to make a donation to help support our services, you can do that through donate.ncbi.ie. Just before we go, a very quick reminder of what we're going to be talking about in some of our up, upcoming live events. We haven't really touched on a, a comparison of 
different CCTVs and the, the kind of differences between some of the, the more modern versions as well. So we're going to do that in one of our upcoming shows. We're also going to be talking about the Amazon show and we're going to be talking about smart glasses as well. Uh, the various different types that are out there, what qualifies as smart glasses too and uh, really what what uh, you can get out of those and uh, which ones will suit the, the different jobs uh, best as well. So we'll look forward to that in our coming live events. Reminder that our next live event is on Tuesday, September 14th at the usual time of 2.30 p.m. And if you want to stay up to date with what's happening on our live events as well as plenty more, you can subscribe to our newsletter on our website or you can email us again at labs at ncbi.ie if you'd like to do that. So all that's left for me to do today is to thank our guests, Joel Lonergan and Stephen Scott. And of course, thanks to everyone listening in as well. And from Sean, JP, Daniel and myself, goodbye for now. And we look forward to having you all back with us soon for another NCBI Labs live event.